So the question is, how, how do you think your model helps people sustain performance? What's the, what's the key to it in terms of transformation? So, so there's part of it, I think, is incrementalism. And I'm, we've got another model called Henker Group Transformation, um, which is where, you know, if organisations are going through, um, you know, major transformations, what often happens, they think about the finances and they think about the, the processes. And then latterly, they think, oh, gosh, uh, people. So Henker Group Transformation is, is, is based on solutions focus, if you if you like, and it's designed to bring people along on, on the journey. Good afternoon, good morning, welcome back to the Sparks Bagenian podcast. I'm Phil Rose, your host, and today I'm delighted to be talking to Rachel Treese. Rachel and I met through the International Pitching Federation, where Rachel coached me as part of the peer coaching network. The benefit of the peer coaching is it helps me develop as a coach while also giving another person as a coach some experience on how to coach other experienced people. But I was pleased to be coached by Rachel because actually I had an insight into how she works in her world of psychology, leadership training, and also understanding a bit more of her financial background. Rachel herself lives and works in Luxembourg. She's lived there for a number of years. And actually, from her perspective, uh, actually the key for her it's about developing people in the financial services industry. She's the host of a podcast, Flex in the City, and I'd recommend if you had a chance to li listen to that, especially if you're in the financial services sector. I'm delighted to be welcoming Rachel to the show. Rachel, welcome to the show. Tell us about Flex in the City as a starting point. Flex in the City. Well, thank you, Phil. Lovely to be on. Great to see you um, again. Um, so Flex in the City. So... Um, came to mind we were talking beforehand weren't we about holidays well this was one of those holidays I had where I was thinking about stuff as opposed to relaxing um so Flex in the City was was created in in Thailand actually in 2019 and um so what we do is we interview some amazing leaders in the financial services industry um and one of the real goals of the whole podcast is you'd imagine the financial services industry is you know it's had its trials and tribulations over the years, the Wolf of Wall Street stories and those kinds of narratives. So it has made it sometimes less attractive to younger people to want to join the industry. So part of what we try to do with Flex in the City is to make it a more attractive sector by, by showcasing some of those wonderful human leaders yeah. in the industry. So and I, I think that's interesting, actually, because I think that thing about human leaders, I think, now, I, I've never specifically worked in the financial services sector, but I have done work as a coach in, in, in accounting firms, in law firms. So I've seen some of those other businesses who, who circle around that as well. What, what was it for you that led you into that financial services marketplace in the first place? Because obviously, as a coach, you, you do work there now, but you obviously work there in the past as well. Yeah, so so it was, I think, like a lot of things in life, they happen uh, through synchronicity and they happen through through fate. So I didn't plan to join the financial services industry at all. I graduated with my bachelor's to start with in, in mathematics and psychology, and I was going to work for Sachi and Sachi, um, going to work in, in marketing and advertising. So that was my what I thought was my calling. And uh, it was in the recession. And so suddenly, you know, these, these places were not recruiting anymore. So, so I was one of those graduates in 91, 92, 
Um, but fortunately, I'd got a great mentor at the university and he said, well, you should consider investment banking. And, you know, why do you apply to this graduate program? So it was one of those fate things. Interesting. As often happens. Um, so so did you, did you, obviously you live in Luxembourg now. Where did you start your career? Were you, were you based in London originally or did you emigrate to, to Luxembourg early on in your career? Yeah, so, so I started on a graduate programme for an investment bank in, in London and I'd been there probably not even six months and, and um, my boss said, uh, you speak a little bit German, don't you? Um, so off you go to Luxembourg and uh, for three weeks and 31 years and I didn't leave. Wow, wow. Okay, that's impressive. I, I think, and it's interesting, isn't it? You say about speaking a little bit of German. And the other thing I know about it is you, you're also fluent in a number of other languages as well. And I think this is the big thing for, for businesses today, especially uh, post-Brexit, you know, for, yeah. for uh, English speakers to actually learn other languages. So what else, what else do you speak and how well do you find that benefits you in your business? So, so I did speak a little bit of German, and, and when I say a little bit of German, I've got O level German. <laughs> I've got O level German at the time, so I spoke German, I spoke French, but it was they were both British O level level. So I came across to to Luxembourg, and what was interesting, and I was talking to somebody about it the other day, when my daughter was born, seventeen years ago, I decided that I was going to learn Luxembourgish. So Luxembourgish is the only language that I speak where I've never had any formal education, no formal lessons. So it's one of those languages that so when ich Lettisch spreche, schon gucken Angst Lettisch schwätzen, weil ich schon das sowieso mam kennengelernt. So what I've just said is I don't I don't care about Luxembourgish and I'm not frightened of speaking Luxembourgish because I learned it listening to kids. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. And and it's really interesting, isn't it? When you learn it as a as an adult listening to kids as opposed to kids listening to an adult. And I think there's I, I I'm just thinking I mis, misquoted my German just now. You know, I, I speak a bit of German. Um I learned German when I was at um Volkswagen Audi group back in 1999 because we were working with Audi at the time I'm now I'm now working with a German company and and it pains me that my German is so poor I speak French to a reasonable degree when I'm in France but actually I think it's something that's impressive when you can learn it as an adult and learn that and you don't you know, just speak it which is great yeah and I think that you know it taught me an awful lot about the whole sort of learning process because the other languages that I've learned you learn with you know formality and you learn with you know, it's learn, not la, you know, you use this tense, not that tense. And obviously when I speak Luxembourgish, I'm probably making mistakes left, right and centre, but hey-ho. It's interesting you hear about teaching about the learning process. I think this is a big thing, mm-hmm. especially us adults who have been around for a few years doing what you're doing. Now, if you say you've been in Luxembourg now 31 years, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I think we do. Often we forget how much we know, but we, we, we've got to really look at how do we keep an open mind to learning. And languages are a really powerful thing, especially if you get older, which might come on to in a minute. Um, but I think learning language is just actually listening to other people, whereas in leadership, we often go in courses to do it because we think we don't know enough. What's your thoughts on that in terms of learning and focused learning? So so what's interesting, you've actually made me think, Phil. So so when I was learning Luxembourgish, I gave myself permission to fail. In other words, didn't care. So um, what... 
often happens in organizations is there is often a fear of failure with um because of the the environment the culture um and when we think about our kids you know we were both older kids now but when our kids were little if we'd gone around holding their hands the entire time they would never have walked as parents we let them we let them go and we allow them to fail because it's through that failure that they learn to walk um so one of the things um you know somebody i've known for many years a gentleman called noel noel fessy who's on my podcast he really sort of taught me and we brought that into the henker model about the power of agency and and that culture of agency and how powerful that is for organizations that that it it allows people to to take that space it allows people to think for themselves it allows them to gives them permission to have a go at something and and you know it's okay to fail and creating a culture of agency is probably one of the things i'm most passionate about um now which is back to this you know it's okay to not get it right you know and unless the child is going to cross a road in which case you hold their hand yeah but it's interesting isn't it that permission to fail i think that there's so few people do that and i think the ones I've known of who just get on with it and, and, and don't worry about it are the ones who succeed. As you say, sometimes you have to you have to put the brakes on because it's a dangerous situation. But actually, wouldn't it be great if we could all learn like that? You know, just go and try something. Yeah. Learn by your mistakes. Don't make the same mistake twice. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so fail more. <laughs> yeah. Fa- fail. You know, they always say fail fast, sail forward. Yeah. But actually, I think there's something in that, isn't it? Just get on with it. You hear about you know the Silicon Valley startup mentality. Just get on with it. You know, thinking about you said you know you 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 left um, left the UK during recession effectively, but actually a lot of the businesses we think about 2008, 2009, 2010, how they were getting and going, and you know prior to that, back in the dot com boom, a lot of businesses were piling burning cash just to get on with stuff, and failure was one of the ways of just developing and finding the next business model. Yeah, and I think that's a little bit about you know what Henker's all about. You know, the fact that transformation and that change um, and hanker is the Japanese word for transformation but it's got a slightly different meaning in Japanese it's what transformation for all of us is happening in every moment in every day in every you know and it's constantly learning constantly failing constantly moving forward and and you know that that's part of our experience isn't it so so you've mentioned hanker and that's on my list of things to talk about okay so so your journey in that case you 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 Went into a graduate program in investment banking. You left the country and went to to, to learn another language. You learn your Luxembourgish. Um, you're now a, a naturalised citizen as well, I must say. Um, where did you go for next? I want to get onto the Henker fairly quickly, but what's the journey between investment banking and Henker? Where did where did Rachel go in that interim period? So um, a quick biography. So so started on the graduate program in Luxembourg, worked in marketing. So I was dealing with fund managers and creating um, marketing brochures. Then moved from marketing and into direct marketing. You know, I remember, uh, I remember, this is one of my favorite stories. We had a German leader who we thought was a little bit crazy at the time. And he came in with his cape one day and he says, I have something incredible to tell you. It is called the internet. So that's when I moved into direct marketing as soon as, as soon as Hans had shared that that wonderful pearl of wisdom. Um, 
So I was working in direct marketing. And then I left uh, that particular organization, which was part of, um, um, it was Fleming, Fleming Asset Management that then became JP Morgan. and moved from there to a company called Aegon. Um, and it was there, I, I was hired as the head of marketing. Um, the head of marketing and and I'd been there about six months and somebody said could you look after human resources as well well I know nothing at all about human resources but I'll give it a go so so the marketeer sees human resources and I think you know I probably would say looking back I was probably the foremother of employee engagement which and the term hadn't been invented back then which you know so I was a marketeer in a human resources you know how can we keep people engaged then um somebody approached me and said would you like to set up a recruitment company doing executive search for the financial industry in europe and i thought you know what i've got no mortgage no no kids what have i got to lose so i decided very quickly to to do that um and i built up um the the, the business um was probably or well, from 1999 until Gosh, yeah, until Evie was born, which was 2006. So what happened was, you know, we'd built up a business, we got an offer for the business, and I was thrilled about this offer for the business. I thought, you know what, I'm pregnant, you know, I really wanted this baby, I'd had IVF. And I was I just just thought this is brilliant. You know, we're gonna get we've got a deal. I'm gonna be able to sort of pay off some of the mortgage. Fantastic. And my business partners came in and said we don't want to sell. And you know, I was full term pretty much, and I was just distraught. So they they decided that they didn't want to sell. They were, as I say, were, I don't I don't to this day don't really know the reasons why. But you know, I suspect you know possibly something to do with with age and what priorities were in life you know looking back what I did was hire a coach so just before Eva was born so I um, so I remember she was a baby when the coach came in and um, after about the third, third session she asked me well you know which was more important this deal or your daughter and that question uh, helped it melt all away interesting to look back on that now you know with the with the benefit of hindsight we make decisions, but actually the key bit I'm hearing there is that coaching. So here you are, how many years later, 17 years later, as a coach, been coaching for many years. So how long did you stay with that coach? Probably only eight sessions. And I think simply because she was, she was probably close to retirement. Okay. I seem to recall she was close to retirement. But I'll credit her um, with that powerful question that started me on the coaching journey. And I started my own training, um, you know, when, it, when Evie was very little. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's how I started coaching. So, so what happened then was I set up a learning and development business affiliated with the recruitment business because I, I, I knew I didn't want to stay in recruitment because I'd, I'd done everything I could for me in that space I stayed part of it until, um, but I was only running the the learning business. I just decided that I didn't want to be active in the recruitment business. 
And then um, it, my colleague um, Dave and I, we spoke at one point and decided that we would buy out that, that learning business and rebrand it to FTS Global. So FTS Global was the first um, brand of our business, if you like. Um, and it was in two, 2019 that I started to, you know, we were doing some amazing work with some amazing companies worldwide. I just started to feel that perhaps we were putting sticking plasters on some of the challenges and some of the issues. And that's really where Henker was born. Um, Recognising that actually, as we know, as coaches, change happens from within. And just like, um, you know, one of the things that I say in my book, you know, we talk about corporations from the Latin corpus, we talk about organizations, which is using the term organs. So, you know, these entities that we work with are bodies. So it's the difference between, um, you know, we were talking earlier about functional medicine or, or, you know, traditional medicine versus modern medicine. And what we were doing with FTS was pretty much modern, modern medicine. And with Henk, what we're trying to do is the work from within to help change that system. The system is stronger so that the system is more powerful so that the system breaks down silos and those and becomes more a more collaborative system yeah i love that there's so many questions i could ask you here and i'm going going with the flow of the conversation because i think there's it's amazing thing about that that corporate versus the the, the the organization of a corpus and the organs and, and and i love that thing about work from within i think that's like really powerful about that obviously which is why you why you picked up on it obviously because that's the key bit for you about you know, how it works and how the um the, the process works. So so Hink is born, 2019, you're 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 creating Henker. Um you mentioned Henker is about transformation. What was it that drew you? I would always intrigued by this, you know, people always ask me where did I get our business name from? But what was it that drew you to that name Henker in the first place? That's a really good question. I think I've always spent a lot of time in Asia and enjoyed Asia. And I've always enjoyed, you know, my 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 own doctor, um, Dr. Lau, um, you know, I'll credit with the fact that I got pregnant with Evie, uh, my daughter. And, you know, there are some things in Asian culture that fascinate me, um, like the Cantonese symbol for listening. You know, in Europe, um, we have this term listen and you know as well as I do Phil that when we're trained to be coaches it's one of the most difficult skills to learn because we're in in, in, in western culture we're taught to respond we're taught to react etc so the Cantonese symbol for listening is incredible it's really beautiful um, it's got the mind to the mind to think the ears to hear there's the undivided focus um, and attention there's the heart. So it's got all of these things, you know, wrapped up in this one little symbol, which means to listen in, in Cantonese. So yeah, that whole um, Asian wisdom, I guess, has always um, fascinated me. And I've always been fascinated by, you know, what, what causes people to change. And I think that's really interesting, isn't it? And I, I think that thing, what causes people to change or what causes people to need to change? I think um, mm -hmm. obviously you were you were given a bit of an ultimatum by your coach at that time, back in 2006, when they gave you a choice, which is which is more important, A or B? And, and, and actually, that's a pretty direct question. 
um, you had to make a choice. Had to make a choice. And psychologically, it just helped. You know, I can't, I, I can literally, I can remember the feeling of being sat there and answering the question and it just, that emotion just disappearing. I, I love it talking to other coaches like you because, you know, you, you, you helped me a lot to our peer coach. And I think it's interesting that thing about where you get a great question and it triggers off not just a thinking response, but an emotional response mm. that that somatic feel that goes with that emotional response when you notice something and you know you're making the right decision at that point in time. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's funny, somebody once said to me, well, that question was quite a loaded question. It's irrelevant whether it's a loaded question or... Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> it's, a, it's a coach question. You know, at the end of the day, if it's loaded, it gives the, chance, the person chance to think. The benefit of a good coach, you and I well know, and anyone who's experienced coaching is, you know, you've got a coach to listen. And mm. and best coaches sometimes hardly say anything because they don't need to. They just they just intervene with occasional perceptive questions mm. and that changes everything. I'd love to know about the Henker model in that case. And and I'm 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 looking at it in front of me at the moment, and I think there's a couple of things in there which really link in. I talk about thinking, feeling, and knowing, you know, sinking in from that that understanding at headspace knowledge through to that gut feel and the heart we get the emotional connection as well so, so, so we don't need to go through all the model but I, I think it's a great model just to talk about some of the key elements to it and how that model transforms people and how we can use it because obviously uh, we talk about leadership development and you talked earlier about you know building agency within the business where, where would you start if you were if you were coaching a business leader who'd come to you with that same question that you went to your coach with in 2006. So shall I start with just the model and 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 you know some of my 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 views on this and again it's back to this this corpus point corporation point that you know certainly in financial services and any uh, any um uh, listed company it's about performance you know let's, let's not you know forget if you're in sport it's about performance um but the key thing with performance is that that performance is sustainable um, in 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 nature. Um, and, and what was interesting in my book, I spoke to a lot of people who were both from sports and and business. And and um, one gentleman told me this fantastic um, story. Martin Cuff told me this fantastic story about the England cricket team at, at one point, where they'd had a coach that pushed them to such great success, such incredible success. But in the next season, they dropped off a cliff. So whilst the performance was incredible at one point, the performance wasn't sustainable. So again, we're back to, you know, performance is important, but the performance needs to be sustainable in, in nature. Um, and this is where I love the whole quantum philosophy because we, we live in a paradigm still, I'm afraid to say more or less, which is the Newtonian paradigm that do X, then Y happens. Do X, then Y happens. And, you know, that's part of physics. It's part of, you know, a lot of the way in which we've been educated. But, you know, but organisations are complex. They're quantum. I, I think there's something there. It's just interesting. Organisations are complex and quantum, actually. You know, we always talk about that. And I love the way you said about the, 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 the you know, do X, you get Y. To every action, there's an equal and that opposite reaction. Mm. And I think that is, that is the thing. But I think that sustainability is key, isn't it? You say that. And, and you know, from a, 
from a sports point of view, we only have to look at sports teams who do well one year and then drop off the cliff the next year. The, yeah. the players can't sustain it. And I think it, it, it always, I, I was I was swimming the other morning and I don't know why it came to me. Um, I was thinking about music. And I was thinking about the Rolling Stones who have just released yet another album in the last month or so. Um, and, and I'm not a big Rolling Stones fan, but what I do admire is that these guys are still producing good music however many years later, 50, 60 years later. And it takes a lot to stay at the top of the game. It takes a lot to do it. So I wonder, when when I look at them, and we we can name musicians who've done it, but also you can name business leaders who've done it. Some make a choice to get out when they're at the top and make the the, the exit. But that sustainability performance is a really tough thing to do. Um, So the question is, how, how do you think your model helps people sustain performance what's that what's the key to it in terms of transformation so so there's part of it i think is incrementalism and i'm we've got another model called henker group transformation um which is where you know if organizations are going through um you know major transformations what often happens they think about the finances and they think about the the processes and then latterly they think oh gosh uh, people um so Henker Group transformation is 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 based, you know, on, on solutions focus, if you if you like, and it's designed to bring people along on on the journey. Um, and I'll share my own story about the background for that model. I'd I'd, I'd put on a bit of weight at one point, and um, I'd gone to Weight Watchers and I'd gone to Slimming World. I think this was after Eva was born, and you know, none of this functional stuff was was working. And I went to a hypnotherapist and the hypnotherapist followed a process with me, solutions focused hypnotherapy and lost the weight. Crikey, that's incredible. How come going to Slimming World and Weight Watchers doesn't work, but going to a hypnotherapist does work? I thought, gosh, wouldn't that be incredible if we could bring that philosophy into organizations? So that's really, you know the sort of you know the, the the you know the background of where that group transformation philosophy, which is that incrementalism, came from, um, and then the Hanker model um, itself is it's it's a quantum model. It's quantum in nature. Sustainable performance and leader as coach is at its heart, um, and then we've got you know head intelligence that's being open and energizing and heart intelligence which is empathy and and connection and then the hunger so which is purpose and passion belief and human spirit um intelligence so you know the the point is you you can't just have one of these you know they're all needed in some way shape or form to help um you know an organization remain sustainable in nature and and to have the impacts which are needed which is employee engagement agency and experience and inclusion which is harnessing the collective and transforming individuals and transforming the corporate and and that resilience side of things so so it's a real quantum model but but training leaders to use coaching skills is is really at it at its heart and it's interesting, you used a couple of words there, which I think really key. You said about sustainable in nature. Mm. And, and I think there's something there. Coming back to, to some of the earlier conversation we were just having just now in terms of um, what happened and how you set up what you did. And you talked about you know, the corpus and the, the 
uh, the organ effectively. Um, the key about nature and how you, you, we often look at businesses as you know, driving to do things differently, but actually if we just look at the laws of nature, you actually need to apply some of that. And I think it comes back to, you talked about that word purpose, and I'm glad you've got that in there because you know, often on this podcast, we talk about purpose because it's all about bringing, bringing purpose to life and reigniting the spark for individuals and for businesses and for teams. And often people forget where purpose fits into that. And at heart, everything has purpose. But we often don't know what that purpose is when we're going to it because we're trying to push on the wrong way. We're trying to do something against the laws of nature effectively. Yeah, I love what but, you're saying about laws of nature because they're so um, they're so powerful, laws of nature. And they're quantum in nature by yeah. default, aren't they? Exactly. And I think people forget that, I think, sometimes. And, you know, I look at my bookshelf over there laden with books, um, many of which haven't been read for years. But I think the ones that really make a difference are the ones that are they're complex yet simple. You know, we look at nature, nature and, and nature, I think, is one of those things. It's, it's complex in its own way, but there's a lot of simplicity to it as well. Nature takes the easiest path. We always talk rivers running downhill. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think sometimes in business, we, the royal we, make things too complex. Yeah. I think that's true. And it's, and it's true, isn't it? And it creates it creates problems for business owners, business leaders, wherever they are, I think, is, a, is one of the things I've often seen. Um, so, so let's go back a little bit. I just want to pick up on something here. You talk about the word agency. Mm. What does agency mean? We often hear about that, you know, working with agency. What does it mean when you're talking about sustaining transformation and developing organizations of people? You talk about engagement, agency, and experience. What does that actually mean? Yeah, so agency, I'm I'm really, really, really passionate about. Um, and I suppose the best definition for agency is empowerment on steroids. That's interesting. To, to make it, you know, simplistic, the yeah. word empowerment still suggests that somebody has given yeah. you that power. Whereas agency is slightly different. Agency is you taking that ownership it's really? you standing on your own it's that toddler who doesn't need its hands holding by its parents it's that toddler that's prepared to fail that's prepared to stand up that's prepared to walk so from an organizational perspective it's um i i think and i know that by doing that, that that's 80 percent likely to have an imp a big impact on this business and I know that this culture will allow me to make that decision to move that forward. And it also recognises that there's a 20% chance of failure. Okay. And that's acceptable. And that's acceptable. I don't need to, I don't need to ask because they've got other fish to fry, other things to worry about. I know that I can take agency to make that happen. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. And I'm glad I asked that question, actually, because it's gone a bit further than I thought you were going to go with that, that question. But I love the thing you said, empowerment on steroids. And, and if I come back to your Henke model, we talk about you know, cultural identity on one side, connection with empathy and connection on the other side. And to me, that heart view, as you talk about in Henke, mm. is one of the things I'm sure that actually drives a bit of that. Because if you can get people really connected at source, then they can make decisions. But you've also then got a set of values or or beliefs within the organization that, that enables that to happen in the first place. And yeah. I think something there. So so the question again for me was how do you generate that? Because that's a big thing in terms of transformation, getting people to really 
as Jim Collins said, be willingly on the bus. I mean, it takes time. There's no no doubt about the fact that it takes time. That you know, culture is never changed over, overnight. It's a journey. You know, it's like it's like you know, if 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 I said to you, you know, I want you to have biceps that are, you know, so big. Or, you know, I want you to be able to play against Raf. You wouldn't be able to do it overnight. It's it's a journey to get to get to make that evolution, to make that change, to create those habits, to create that culture. Um, so you know, any organisation looking for a sticking plaster, um, you know, it's the same as I say, like going to the gym or investing in the whole of our corpus. Um, Again, we discussed um, earlier before we went live, Phil, you know, that, you know, we as human beings, we're full of hormones, Um, we're full of muscle, we're full of organs, we're full of, you know, we've got a brain. brain. It's not one thing. And I think that's really interesting because the the, the bit that comes to mind there is that evolutionary piece, you know, organisations develop and change. And and there's lots of models we can look at from, you know, if I go back to MBA text about the Griner model of development of businesses, there's... There's the, the, the chasm that people cross. But actually, the thing about evolution, isn't it? Businesses can't just stand still because age will catch up with them as well as it catches up with the rest of us. Absolutely. And the Henker model itself should not stand still. So one of the things that were, and I know we discussed it with you, with you earlier this year, Phil, is, is looking at creating a, more of a community with the Henker model. That Henker model has to transform and continue to transform in the same way that organisations, so so um, it it should be an evolving model. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting actually. So 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 I'm going to go back a bit in that case. 1997, you were told that the direct marketing was was here and the internet was on us, and this is a way of thinking. And um, you're a marketer by background with an amazing experience between marketing, recruitment, into people to coaching. And um, how do you help get these models out to people? Because actually. We can sit here and look at a beautiful picture of what Hank is all about. You've written an amazing book, which I want to go into in a bit more detail in a minute. But how do you evangelize about what you're talking about here so the world starts to know about it? Because actually, I think this is the biggest issue that a lot of businesses have. Either they don't market themselves well enough, or they sit back on their laurels and expect the world to come to them. Don't you especially do that? Yeah, absolutely. So, 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 I am a marketeer, um, um, but I was a marketeer when when the internet was <laughs> first invented, and Contrary to probably uh, uh, um, something like accounting, and accountants might um, pull me up on this, account accounting, other than as using systems like QuickBooks or Sage or whatever to manage, accounting hasn't changed that much. Whereas um, marketing, marketing, you know, as you know, Phil, has changed beyond all recognition. When I first ran direct marketing, we'd put um, ads in a DM magazine um, with, with coupons that people had to send back to us. You know, that's the difference from then to 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 now. So 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 how do we evangelize? Um, obviously, run podcasts. You know, one of the things I've had to let go probably is my my love to get deep and dirty with marketing a bit maybe like you in the engineering i've had to hire a chief marketing officer and go i'm giving you agency yeah it's really interesting and that takes a lot of um 
a lot of uh, self-knowledge to realize that you can't be the most intelligent person in the room anymore. You've got to let someone else run with it. And I think a lot of business owners don't do that. They think they have to be the wisest. They have to be the one that everyone goes to, which causes all the other problems we see in most business. Yeah. So agency taught me that. So here's the $99 question, or a million dollar question, in fact. How do you do that? Because actually as a business owner, often business owners want to hold everything to themselves because it's their baby. They've created it. Mm. And they don't want to step back and allow somebody else to come and do it. They want to, but they don't want to. Yeah, very good question. Very good question. And I think now it's a very good, very powerful coaching question. I think probably, and it's only coming to my mind now, probably the menopause, which is the greatest change in any woman's life. <laughs> which happened last year for me meant that I, you know, any woman listening to this, you'll all know about the brain fog, uh, brain fog, et cetera. So, so I experienced some of that and, and probably recognized that I actually didn't at that point in time have the mental capability to do what I had been doing quite well so there's been a gift in this menopause, actually, been a gift in that, you know, it said to me, let stuff go, Rachel. And you know, that's, there's two powerful things in there. One is, thank you for bringing up menopause. You know, it's, uh, it's on lots of our minds when we get into our 50s. Um, and for some people as well. And I think uh, that thing about the gift that's in it, but it's mm -hmm. only when we start recognising it when we recognize that we can't manage it or when we recognize the brain fog is there and that's the thing that's stopping us. But mm. often we try and power through and we just think, hey, we, we, I always used to be able to do it like this. I've got to keep doing it. Uh, my wife said to me uh, along the lines of, we are looking, you know, supporting each other a lot more over the next few years because as we get older, there'll be lots of things we can't do that we used to be able to do really easily. And I think it's really interesting from a business owner or a leader's perspective. When do you learn to let go? And maybe that's the, that's the signal. Yeah, and you know what? That question that you've asked me on this podcast now is as powerful as that coaching question back in the day um, around, you know, my daughter. And, you know, there's something, you know, because I was fighting through it. And actually, that's, you know, the, 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 the similarity there, fighting through the sale of the business, fighting through the menopause, fighting, you've got to keep doing the way you've always done it. So, so there's been a really powerful, powerful gift in it for me um, and, and actually you know, helping helping me grow as a coach helping us grow as coaches because part of it as well is having someone alongside you that mm. you can trust and can ask questions of you and you know this is the this is why you and i both love coaching and which is why i benefit from your coaching from the peer-to-peer -peer coaching but actually it's having someone alongside you who can ask questions who can sit about sit outside of it and ask the the, the naive questions that you've not thought about before because they're they're out of it and I think there's a big thing in that about why coaching really helps to drive change. I think, you know, Simon Sinek um, said it beautifully when he said, you know, we're all inside our own jars and we can't read the label. So coaching is beautiful because it helps people read the label. Well, thank you for that. That's a, that's a, that's a good bit of feedback as well. And I love that about, you know, the, the Simon Sinek approach. I've, a, I've just re-signed up to Simon Sinek's um, uh, online portal again for the second year running because there's so much material on there 
Mm. Um, I'll go and look for some of the more models that Simon puts out because I think there's some great stuff there which just helps you coach yourself. Um, and there's a lot there. And I think, you know, from a coaching perspective, the old adage of physician heal thyself, it's very hard to do. Very hard to do. Very hard to do. So let's talk about the book in that case. You launched the book l- last year or this year? I can't remember when it came out. I can't remember now. It's... Last year, November 2022. Two years ago now. Gosh, okay. So tell, tell us about the book itself, because I think that's one of the key things. It's not, not why we're here, but I think in terms of the Henker effect, it's the big thing for you. It's done very well as a book. So, so I'll be honest with you, it was a COVID um, project. So I'd always wanted to write a book and, you know, um, there was never the time. And, and then COVID happened and, I, I, you know, the sun was out and, you know, we were in, we were in that March p- period when we were all a little bit, oh, what's going on here? So, so that's when um, I started writing about the, the, the hanker effect. Um, you know, I was blessed to interview some incredible people along the journey. Um, you know, I have to acknowledge um, Dr. Mike Watson. He's a spiritual intelligence expert based in, in the USA. Mike taught me so much. Um, you know, he taught me the real meaning of, of what spiritual intelligence was all about. There was a couple of parts on that book journey that that were tough and and you know he he led with heart and he led with um you know real courage um you know and it's really thanks to him that that book is 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 here now but you know he he taught me by practicing what he preaches when someone practices what they preach you you feel it you know it you know what spiritual intelligence is all about uh, Stephen Shedletsky, you know, he's just about to release his his book um, on speak up culture. Um, so, uh, and Terence Mowry, who's the founder of the Hack Future Lab, you know, he, you know, he's all about change. He's all about the future of work. So, you know, I was really blessed along the journey to to interview some incredible um, people and 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 to you know uncover some fantastic learning. The the, the, the bit I you know, acknowledging. Yeah, those three, four individuals there, you know, the the, the what Dr. Mike Watson's obviously Broadford in that sense, and you talked about uh, Thomas there. So, so it's not a, you know, every book we know is, you know, there's obviously people behind it, but it's really interesting that um, that's spiritual intelligence. That's mm-hmm. obviously taught you a lot about that. And I'm, I'm just hearing that as you start acknowledging others, um, there's obviously something in that that's really driven you and helped you succeed with producing the book as well. I've not come across the term spiritual intelligence. What is it? What do you think it is? Well, it's interesting actually. My my gut my my gut feel this is about understanding there's something bigger, and mm-hmm. actually to transform we need to look at something bigger than bigger than ourselves out there that's guiding not maybe not guiding in a in a religious sense, but being aware of um, we're part of something bigger we're part of a system. Yeah, and I think that that's it. You know, Mike Mike would say himself. You know, this isn't about um, anything religious, um, but it is about bringing wisdom and compassion and healing in some ways to to a system um and, and there's something you know it, it it's connectedness there's something connectedness so it is really this kind of the quantum side of it you know it sounds a bit scientific and you know all this newtonian but again i'm a i'm a scientist we we are raised we are taught to believe in our schools and in our education systems that A plus B equals C. 
even Einstein, who is just incredible, one of the most incredible and was really, you know, on the cusp and a lot of his work is quantum, E equals MC squared is still Newtonian. So, you know, there's the spiritual intelligence, heart intelligence, you know, again, being a linguist, the word um, courage comes from the French word cœur. So, you know, the best way in some ways to describe that heart intelligence and, and heart, leading with heart, when we think about leading with heart, you might think, well, it's soft and, you know, actually leading with heart, you know, it's, you know there's some toughness in there. It's like tough love, it's passion and tough love in that word courage. When you really think about courage, that's what leading with, with heart. And it's really interesting, isn't it? Because they're coming full circle there. You know, a lot of your work has been in financial services industries in the past, Flex in the city, they aimed at you know, the financial services industry, um, where you've often seen a very tough image of, of businesses. You mm. know, there's a lot there. So actually getting that message across where people need to have compassion need to be able to lead with heart, lead with courage at that level. That's a quite tough call for a lot of businesses. Now, we know things have moved on, and I think over the last five to ten years, all businesses have, have made making this shift completely. But I think from your perspective, have you seen a bigger shift in the last few years since the pandemic in terms of leading with heart, or is it, or has the pandemic slowed things down? If I'm, if I'm really honest, I think there's a bit of ambiguity there's a bit of a narrative at the moment as to whether, you know, should we be in the office? Should we be working from home? You know, where should we be? Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, if there's a leader there who's leading with, with all of those things and leading with heart and leading with courage, it doesn't matter. People won't even question whether they're at home or whether they're in the office. It, it won't, won't matter. I was running a sales conference a, a couple of weeks ago and, and somebody said to me, you know, I could be offered 20,000 more in, a, for, in another com, com, company and I wouldn't move. Really interesting. So we're going we're gonna to come to the end of the conversation in a second, just in terms of time-wise. It's been wonderful talking to you. And I think we have meandered a bit like nature, meandering the river down towards the to the ocean. I think that um, the ocean is always the bigger picture. Um, from your perspective at that case, think about some of the things that you've learned over the last 20, 30 years of you being in business. And when I hear myself say that, I think, my gosh, that's how long I've been in business well almost. Um, you think actually there's lots of, lots of learnings we take from it. If you were to go back and give the younger Rachel a bit of advice about something, anything, what would you say to that younger person with what you now know? And what you have just talked about, I'd say just do it. You know, I think, you know, we as humans and often females, you know, yeah. um, you know, sometimes hold themselves back. You know, don't be afraid, don't be fearful. Again, I think there are lots of paradigms or narratives or rules or whatever word you want to want to to use for for these things you know in the way that we're educated in the way that we're but you know we've all got stories we've all got a gift um and and it's really identifying what your gift is and having the confidence to to go with it that phrase there we all have a gift and and often that your gift is linked to your purpose 
And I think when you make that connection, you realize you can go and do something that you were, you know, in a in a in a spiritual way, in some ways, born to be. Actually, I think that's when you can really make the biggest transformation in in business. When you can start play, playing playing with your right foot when you're when you've been playing off the left foot in the past, or playing with your right hand rather than the left hand, you suddenly understand that's what your gift is. So I think that's um. And I think sometimes, and I'll conclude with this. I think sometimes our younger souls can be really connected with with what's possible in the future. As a, as a child, I wanted to be a teacher or an actress, and in some way, shape, or form. Both of those have been fulfilled. I remember going back to my house and I'd done a bit of, there was a model photo when I was about 14 or 15. And on the back of this picture, and I looked at it and it said, I want to work in a country that speaks French or German. Quantum. <laughs> There's two things that come to mind there. If you want something, you need to write it down because one day you'll suddenly realise you've got it. And I think that's a really powerful message for a lot of people. And, and you know, linking that back to the, uh, the just do it, don't be afraid, don't be fearful. Because often we do stop ourselves from fulfilling our dreams, actress teaching. Hey, we're all acting at some stage, but you're doing it for real. And you're teaching. And look at the message you're bringing to everyone. I think that's an amazing thing. So thank you. Um, I, I, I think there's, there's one thing I'm going to end on in that case. I was just looking at some of the Amazon reviews for your book before we came here, and, I, and I, I noted one down, and it said, must read book for anyone who wants to thrive and grow. And I think, actually, there's a lot to be said for that. If you want to thrive and grow, just having that understanding of your gift and understanding that actually anything possible, and in your words, and someone else's words, just do it. Absolutely. Well, I will be sending a signed copy to you, Phil. So. Oh. I like that. Thank you. I should look forward to reading in that case. I'll be uh, the first, first book to read for a while. Thank you. It's been lovely to talk to you. And it's been nice to catch up as well. We've not talked for a while. So, uh, Rachel Trace, thank you. I look forward to uh, to putting this show out and um, talking to you again. And uh, maybe there's a follow-up in terms of the next next in-depth interview in the Henker Effect as well. So thank you when the next book comes around. Thank you for the invitation. I've really enjoyed it. Well. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as I've enjoyed recording it. This is just one of the great conversations I've had the privilege of being part of since I started recording the Sparks Bagnian podcast. So please, go back and listen to some of the others. There's some great content in there, some great contributors. And also, while you're at it, please leave a review of this show with your comments, because that helps other people like you find this content. And we want to bring about the change that we really know matters to people. It helps us grow. And also, think about what actions you want to take there's no point just listening passively. We want you to pick it up and do something with it. So what are the three key things you want to do? I can't hold you accountable, but if you want to, drop me a note, phil at igniumconsult.com. We're always keen to listen to what you have to say and actually introduce guests to us that you think will bring relevance to other people. We wish you well. Give us a call. Let us know what you think. Give us a review. Thank you.